Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels, hope you're having a great week. Dr. Joshua and Christy Straub on the pod today. Man, we've got a good one. Talking to your kids about their feelings and understanding them more. Before we get to that, today's program is sponsored by Trinova, Amazon.com slash Trinova, T-R-I-N-O-V-A, code word REBELPOD at checkout gets you 20% off everything they sell. We love the all-purpose cleaner, oh my goodness, the white tea and sage scent, mmm, so, no, no, white tea and thyme, that's what it is, white tea and thyme. I just cleaned the entire kitchen and used it, oh, it was glorious. It's not that chemical, astringent, burn your nostrils kind of thing. It is so nice. You're going to love it. Dish soap, all-purpose cleaner, plant-based, safer on kids and pets, and it works amazingly, amazingly. And I'm a huge fan of the foam cannon. If your husband likes washing his car, and if he doesn't, he will if you get him a foam cannon. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's this thing you attach to your pressure washer, and it shoots out huge, huge streams of like... White foaming, shaving cream style foam all over the car. Gets it sparkly clean. I love the foam cannon. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to do the video of me using the foam cannon. It's hilarious. You'll love it. Dr. Josh was on the program today with his wife, Christy. They've got a great book called What Am I Feeling? And it's really good, especially for dads. It's good for both parents, though, to talk to your kids about their feelings and their emotions. It is a brave new world out there with feelings and emotions and therapy. We're a huge fan of therapy here. But if you can get your kids to understand their feelings early, they will have such a better shot in life. Man, I am such a fan of this couple. Let's jump into the program. Here's Dr. Joshua and Christy Straub on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Oh, there we go. What's up, Rebels? Hello, So good to see you. It feels like we haven't been in the studio in forever, but it's been like a week or so. It's been a week. Feels like forever. I know, isn't that crazy? <laughs> We've got Dr. Joshua and Christy Straub on the podcast today. So excited. What's up, guys? Hi. Thank you for having us. It's oh. exciting to be with you guys. To- Christy, I didn't know you're you. Canadian. Yeah. Are you a hockey fan? Yeah. Because the I Golden Knights like just beat Golden Knights just beat you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, we just We're not hockey fans at all, but we got to go to a game last week and the Knights beat Calgary and we were like, woo. So and our friend from <laughs> my, Laura's brother's best friend is from Calgary and he brought okay. 20 Calgary Flames hats yeah. and was like jerseys. So our suite was divided because our other brother-in-law is a crazy, crazy diehard Knights fan. Like he has... He had golden pants on. Gold yeah. pants on for the Golden Knights. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> legit sparkly golden pants. It was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Good yeah. stuff. Hockey, hockey runs like... We joke that we were raised in an arena. Not... But, I mean, literally... That's the one thing. I mean, we live in Nashville, so at least we do have a team here. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. it's not like in the culture like it is at home. I mean, I it is just like the junior hockey. Like, so obviously, like, NHL is a big deal. But, like, junior hockey, which is, like, the teenage boys, oh. like, it is huge. Oh, it's nationwide. It's like the – like I mean, 
the amount of people that would be watching the Super Bowl. What was it? Like the, the 90? percentage, ninety some percent of like Canadians are watching this particular yeah. sporting event. Oh yeah, wow. and it's youth hockey. Your old boys. No, it's not. Hockey. It's eighteen U, but or oh, nineteen 18. U, nineteen no. U. Yeah, it is. It's nineteen U, but okay. nonetheless. This is how well, much book, I don't know anymore. That's all right. The book no, Freakonomics. The book Freakonomics based a lot of its findings and early data off Canadian youth hockey, and it was like. Why are all these players born in these months doing better than these players born? It was like such a deep dive in data. But it was and yeah. and the only reason they could do that is because it is that prevalent throughout Canada. There are so yeah. many kids that yeah. it gave them a deep enough data pool to draw from to actually make real conclusions. Yeah. 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 And then they translate it though, it's like American, but like our school systems, like our cutoff dates were different. So it never it didn't make sense. Like why January birthdays has yeah. such an advantage because here it's August. But totally. Yeah. Yep. 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 I was held back because I of that. that. Totally. So it was fascinating. Our listeners are like, what are you talking about? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we also got friends on the exist. podcast today. And so, all we do is hockey. So stoked to have you on. Honestly, this is a big one. You've got a book called What Am I Feeling? And it's for kids to explain this is a really interesting thing and Laura and I've been talking about this so much so much lately I'm getting ready to go speak to the seniors at my kids school like my kids are in junior high and then kindergarten and I'm talking to the seniors and they were like what's some big advice you would have given yourself back then and one of the big pieces I'm going to give is go to counseling to figure out your feelings like when you go through hard times, cause you're going to go through hard times. Like if you don't get into the college you want, or if you lose a parent or when you get broken up with or whatever these heartbreak, or if you go through a traumatic situation, if you experience trauma, don't deal with those things alone because you carry that the rest of your life. If you had traumatic experiences as a child, mm -hmm. go into counseling, learn what those feelings are. And I was talking to my therapist recently and I was just telling him how sad I was. And he said, well, why? And I was like, what? Like, it hadn't dawned on me, why am I sad? It was just like, I don't like it. I want to fix it. How can you fix me from being sad? And we went through my life. And he was like, well, Ryan, you've got some really good reasons to be sad. Like, these are re like when Laura was going through cancer, he's like, yeah, you should be sad about that. That would make anybody sad. If your wife's going through cancer and you can't help it and she's in pain and you're going through all these things, that should make you sad. Mm. So let's learn how to live with grief. Let's learn how to live with sadness and not let it take your life over. And it was such a, I don't know, like this epiphany, this light bulb moment, like, oh my goodness, mm. we don't talk about that stuff. And so- this book's been really powerful, and I was telling you ahead of time, listeners hadn't heard it, like before we got on, I'm sure, and you confirmed it, you've already got parents that have been reading this book to their kids that are like, oh, I didn't know I was feeling this too. Like, I need help with my, oh, I need help with my feelings. It's like, yes, we all need help with our feelings. That's a really interesting thing because it wasn't that way always. This is a fairly new phenomenon of dealing with feelings in such a, a uh, present way, I would say. Yeah. Or emotionally intelligent way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So a number of years ago, I wrote a book called Safe House, How Emotional Safety is the Key mm. to Raising Kids Who Live, Love, and Lead Well. Yes. And that book is, part of it was because we were overwhelmed as parents. I mean, we I had a PhD in counseling. She has a master's degree in counseling. We were a little bit older when we got married. So it's like, we thought we were pretty well set up. Well, then all of a sudden we have kids <laughs> and we realize how wicked and deceitful our hearts were. 
And we realized how hard this was. And I was like, now, wait a second. If, if we're dealing with this difficulty of being parents, it's gotta like, there's gotta be a simpler way. So I just went through, back to the research and every major outcome we desire most in our kids or that we're looking for was linked back to emotional safety. So mm. ultimately what we did was we wrote that book and then, but as you can imagine, we talked about this is like, you know, for parents, especially parents of young kids, you're holding your baby, you're, you know, you're trying to discipline and wrangle your toddler and you're trying to read a parenting book on emotional safety and you realize I'm not doing this. And so we're like, how can we find a way to help parents raise kids who are emotionally safe without having them have to read an entire parenting book about emotional safety? If they want yeah. to, great. But this was an opportunity for us to put a tool in the hand of a parent where they're already looking for ways that they can get time with their kids yes. to sit down with them and actually do emotional safety with them in a way that it tells a beautiful little story yep. and gives them a way to start labeling their emotions. And that was the whole goal behind the book. So It's so well, smart. It's kind of like doing clips of a podcast. Like Joe Rogan's got clips and Tim Ferriss has clips. Like all the major podcasts are, you know, like in, in a sense, memifying their podcast. Like, oh, this is a great four minutes. And what you've done is you've introduced people to an amazing topic. And if they're like, you know what? I really need more of this. Well, then Safe House is your deep dive in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna, can I steal that? This is our memified book. <laughs> yeah, for sure, take it. <laughs> totally. Well, and I just love that in today's culture, so, so, many, so many of the sitcoms or the TV shows that the children are watching, I would say, lend people to become a victim to their feelings. And I love how your book does not allow that. It's just edifies them like hey yeah you can have those feelings mm. but they're, you're not they're not in charge of you mm. and i think yeah. for all us most rebels out there listening are going to identify with this because that's not who we are we you have your feelings but they don't dictate who we are you stand up and you show up and you suit up and you do what you yeah. need to do so i love that that's how this is and my daughter loved that too well, and it's funny, like that's the one line. A feeling is just a feeling. It's not in charge of you. It's the one line I think we hear the most that people are like adults, teenagers, yep. young kids are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because like even when we're talking about like, what am I feeling? It's interesting because you'll get the perspective of people who are not very comfortable with feelings or emotions. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. But it's because they assume if I go down this road where I let myself feel or I let my kids feel whatever they feel, we're going to get like all lost in, <laughs> yeah. in the truth and there's no discipline anymore. And everyone's just allowed to feel and be, and it's like, well, okay. Let's just rewind a little bit. I mean, yes. this is where it is super important. Yes, what Ryan was saying, to be able to name your feeling. I mean, it's literally the basis of emotional intelligence is just being able to label emotion. And that's mm -hmm. why in the back of the book, you know, we have that pull out feelings chart. I mean, it's so, you could, I mean, I don't know if you've ever done that in a counseling office, but like, I mean, you do that with adults sometimes <laughs> in counseling who have never learned that skill. I mean, it's the most I think critical and helpful tool we can give our kids for their emotional intelligence for life. And mm -hmm. it's basic. And it's interesting, like our my four-year-old daughter who just walked in here and handed me her sippy cup, we put the chart on our fridge. And it's it's not a thing that we like have 
I mean, maybe you'd think that considering we wrote the book, but we just put it on the fridge because they asked us to put it on the fridge. And she will come down in the mornings and it is her like morning check-in. Mm. Mom, what like? And she'll point to like a couple of the faces mm-hmm. and she'll be like, I don't know why. Like, yeah, honey, I really do. And so she'll tell me why. And it's usually she's, you know, there's something she's nervous about at school that day. Yeah. Or, and then she'll come home from school and she'll do her check-in of where she's at now. And it's like, but now I feel brave because I, I did mm. it, you know, wow. and it's like, it's amazing to me, even as little children, how literally pointing to a face that mimics all the confusing stuff that's going on viscerally, like inside our body, which is so confusing to a child, but how just putting it in a box and giving it a name is like, oh, mm. okay, I'm sad. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Bye. Mm-hmm. And then we take it a step further where it's like, yeah. okay, that's what you are. But that feeling, it's just a feeling and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't get to be in charge of you. Yeah. My mentor always tells me, um, just for me and my, my feelings, just hang on in 10 minutes, it's going to change. Totally. I'm like, okay, I'll wait 10 minutes and then they change. Interesting is like, I think in culture, we've done a really bad job of prioritizing the positive emotions. Yes going after those, not only in our own lives, but also in our children's lives. And often kids get the message, you know, mom and dad want me to be happy. Yep. And so what happens when they feel a feeling inside their body that is not congruent with happy, they fake it. They Mm -hmm. start pretending to be something they're not. And we learn it really early on. And I think what some, I don't know, most graceful breath of fresh air is to understand emotional health really is feeling the whole range of emotion. Mm. And knowing that even those typically labeled negative emotions that we don't really like to feel, yeah. anger, sadness, grief, jealousy, those are just as important in our lives as the positive emotions. And to be able to come in and out, like Laura's saying, 10 minutes later, you're going to feel different and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But to be able to come in and out of all the whole range of emotion is actually what we're after. That's what a full life looks like. And oh, yet be I love healthy. it. Oh, I'm going to throw myself under the bus because lots of times when I'm tired and I'm just at my wits end, I say, okay, let's have a happy heart. Let's have a happy heart and let's just move on because it's just like I can't handle. There's so many emotions going on. I got two disobedient puppies, two disobedient children. My husband's asking me to do something and work and da, 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 da. just have a happy heart, have a happy heart. And, you know, hey, you just convicted me and like, yeah, just the full range of emotions gives the full range of life. Yeah. Well, when you yeah. suppress, like we've talked with you guys about this before, but when we, you know, we use self-medicators to numb those negative emotions and when we do that, we also numb the positive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so the more we numb the negative, the more, and and that's why we end up turning to drugs or or these other things to try to get those positives and to get those highs, is because we're not experiencing them naturally. Mm. And so, you know, it's a huge part of this journey. I love what Solomon says. He says that patience is better than power, and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. Ooh. Wow. Proverbs sixteen thirty two, yeah. and you're just. Like, but, Man, I, like, but I think what the power of that is, it's controlling our emotions, but it's not shutting them down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But right. like you to totally. feel that yeah. exhaustion and that probably actual anger at that point, yeah. you're just 
frustrated and you're just angry. And we don't like when we see anger in our kids. Let's be honest. We don't like it. We typically punish it or dismiss it or we want to shut it down. And it's often that the emotions that we most were triggered by or even wounded by kids are when we see that in our own children, we're going to get triggered by. So it's also going to ramp up, right? So if there was, you grew up in a home where there was a lot of anger present Mm. and you watch your kids start to, or your husband, you know, get angry or sadness. If there was maybe depression in your home, or if there was Mm. anxiety, there was a lot of worry. If you start to see your kids being anxious and worried, you're going to like those emotions in us just ramp up. And it's because we're triggered. It's not, our kids are quite often just feeling a very run of the mill, normal emotion that will change in 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. And right. So triggered. And it's like, maybe they're depressed. I think they're anxious. I think, I think he has an, you know, a rage disorder. I think we go to this nth degree, but it's just because we're feeling it. And yet some of those emotions literally require us to process them. Like there's anger. There needs to be an energy release of the body for us. If we just keep shoving it down, Mm. it will come out sideways at some point. At some point it's going to explode. Yes. And so like we have a pit, like we have pillows or an ottoman in our house, which when our kids get angry, that's what they go punch. And it is something, it gives them a place. And some parents get super (laughs) uncomfortable because they're like, but I don't want my kids to, you know, they have to get that energy out of their body. Mm. I mean, it's the same thing. We go for a run. We like shovel or, you know, we do something to like, we work out with heavy weights. It's like yeah. we need to do something to get that energy out of our body. But we also need to allow that for our kids. Mm-hmm. Because if we keep saying, you know, shh, 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 like temper, be, be sweet, be kind, be nice, mm. be loving especially little girls, when they're taught that yeah. anger is not an okay emotion, it'll come out in tears. Yep. I mean, that's what, yep. that was me as a child. I mean, that's actually still me. And I think it's just that awareness of like, maybe what are those things in our home that we're not allowing ourselves to feel yeah. and that's take you down a road and that's okay. But what are those things in our kids' lives that we're not, or just being aware when they do that, when I see that emotion come out, whew, that one throws you and that one, this one throws me. Oh, yeah. Just to, having those conversations where you're aware of that really, that bit. Yeah. Definitely. Just we being more four, of a student. We have four separate punching bags in our house. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love it. Yeah. I was wondering where the, wondering where the, the fist pump, I was going to be my next, that was going to be my question yeah. to you guys. I have, you should uh, see them all. I have an 80 pound heavy bag. I have a 120 pound water filled heavy bag. I have a speed bag and a spring loaded Cobra one that, yeah. So I'm, I'm very, and, what, and what are those? it, it, uh, Laura can attest to this too. It doesn't make me more violent, more angry. It takes it away. When I go and work out and I hit those bags until I can't hit them anymore, guess what? I don't have anything left in me. I got nothing left. I'm not I'm not angry, I'm not upset, you know, I'm exhausted, you know, and I've learned to meditate after I work out now. I tried to wake up and meditate first thing in the morning and I would be so anxious and so kind of squirrely and wired and wiggly and just being like, oh, I can't meditate, I can't come down, what's wrong? And I learned, hey, if you hit those bags for about a half hour, you're going to be so tired that when it's time to meditate and it's time to focus on what's going on, you're so much more capable of doing it. Yeah. One of the things I want to tell all of our listeners too, sometimes when we talk about these subjects, we think, well, why didn't my parents teach me this? You know, why didn't they teach me how to deal with my emotions? Why didn't they do that? And here's the reason. This is pretty new. 
it's a pretty new time in history where we have the freedom and the safety to actually explore deep emotions. I go back two generations. My mom's dad, okay? It's just my grandpa. My grandpa dropped out of school in the seventh grade and went to work in the coal mines of North Dakota because his mom died giving birth to the 13th sibling and his dad was an alcoholic and wouldn't take care of the children. So it was drop out of school and go to work or you and your family are going to die because there wasn't a city that would take care of them. There wasn't an orphanage. There wasn't foster care. There wasn't public programs. There wasn't incentives. There wasn't a local Mm -hmm. church. It didn't exist. I never one time heard my grandpa talk about not being loved or hugged or his dad didn't tell him nice. He never talked about that. He talked about what a great opportunity he had to provide for his family. Well, my parents didn't experience that. And I certainly didn't experience that. And my kids have, they'll never go through something like that. It'll never happen for them. I mean, maybe our country will take a downturn and it'll happen again. But right now we are so safe. We are so safe that all those internal feelings can and do come to the surface. And so it's a new thing for us. So, you know, let's give the past generations a break and we've got to learn to do these things ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point because, you know, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Oh. Yeah. I mean, and you see it literally lived out generationally. Yeah, I could give stories of my own family. Thank you for bringing That's a great, great point, you know, because, you know, we're seeing increasing take screen time for another thing. I mean, let's go to a whole different avenue of this. I mean, screens are numbing our emotions. They're numbing our children's emotions. And we're seeing heightened levels of anxiety and depression as Mm. a result of it. So we're not seeing heightened levels of anxiety and depression because we're living in poverty. We're seeing it because of the abundance that we have, not the lack that we have. So I think that's a powerful statement. The earlier (laughs) you introduce your kids to social media, the higher probability they're going to struggle with depression and anxiety. The Mm -hmm. earlier they start looking for likes, the earlier they start lurking for more hearts on their photos and more likes on their photos and more looks and more views and more visits. You know, I remember Lincoln, when he was a lot younger, there was a Lego app where you could build something and take a picture of it and then people could like it. And I realized he was trying to figure out what he could build that would make other people like it instead of just building with Legos. And it was like, oh, yeah, we're deleting this app. Delete. This is terrible. Who cares what anybody else thinks of your Lego creation? Do you like playing with Legos? Yeah, I like playing with Legos. Awesome. Then play with Legos. But don't play with them so that someone else likes your creation. You should be creating for yourself. Well, and the guy who created the Facebook like button now only uses his phone as a dummy phone and actually regretted making that, making the like button because how it psychologically messed up, you know, a lot of people because of it. Definitely. 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 There's a great article in the guardian about it. That's another thing too. You know, when you talk about kids TV, there was a study done about commercials, you know, for some reason we can't legislate that you shouldn't promote sugar to children. Like it's an, it's terrible to do, but the sugar lobby comes in and pays billions of dollars and then, Hey, congressmen don't do it. They did a study. If you let kids watch cartoons and give them a bowl of goldfish crackers, they will eat X amount. If you add commercials, what is it? 60%? They eat 60% more goldfish crackers if you just... It's not commercials about food. It's just general commercials. And so as parents, you've got to understand that commercials don't have your children's best interest at heart. And neither do the TV programs. Mm -hmm. You've got to be 
diligent and vigilant in what you allow your children to watch. It's crazy from Lincoln to Lucy. They're only five years apart. We have to regulate what Lucy watches 10 times more than we ever used to do with Lincoln because of how much garbage they're trying to pump into children today. And I'm going to call out Disney right now. What happened to Disney? There's a girl's cartoon called Fancy Nancy. This little girl wants to be French. She speaks French all the time, is in ballet, blah, blah, blah. Little girls like it, unfortunately. The last episode we ever watched, we were on vacation, and they weren't getting their way. So she organized a protest of all of her friends to get what they wanted, and they were singing songs about how it's good to stand up for what you want, and their protest was they're withholding hugs and snuggles and love from their parents until they got their way, and then singing about how it's such a great thing to do to withhold your love and affection from your parents so you can get your way, and I was like, oh, hey, guess what? That's never gonna, that's never gonna get played in our household again. Ever. We'll never play ah. it again. You dumpster fire of a company what are you th- and then here's the truth though look at the Mouseketeers. you've got one Mouseketeer. you got justin timberlake that's got a stable life every other one of them it's on and uh ryan reynolds yeah ryan reynolds is justin timberlake. the rest of them look what they did look how they treat their products and their brands they use it up and then they throw it away and they don't help them. They didn't put them into counseling. They didn't teach them, you know, what to do. And their lives have been forever changed because of it. You've got to watch what your kids are watching because it's true today. You've got 25 minutes of the focal point of a program is the bratty, snotty, entitled, snot of a kid and then in the last five minutes they change their heart and then everybody loves them again and it's like wait what what are you teaching them yeah 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 we saw that too and and i mean honestly everything you're talking about our kids are six and four so they're not quite there yet but i haven't even i mean those tv shows to me are not even episodes that what we've been doing is so for screen time in our home one of the things that we'll do we see it we have watched it dramatically influence the emotional, uh, really the, the emotions of our kids. Yep. Yes. Yep. And so we now have, we don't take screen time away as a consequence. We add it for when they have earned behavior. Ooh. So in other words, screen time isn't a normal everyday thing in our home. Mm. They now have to earn it rather than using it as a consequence to take it away because it's too easy to justify our time on it than it is to justify our time off of it, even as adults. Yeah. Even as adults, you say, well, we're going to set screen time limits. By the way, it was Dr. Diane Langberg who used this phrase, and, and I just I have taken it ever since, even as adults. Anything you cannot fast from owns you. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, 100%. That's a good one, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Diane Langberg's. I'm not going to take it. but okay. I, I use uh, it all the time. Keep using it, for <laughs> sure. Yes. Yeah, we're on screens, but I see screens limit and inhibit or – they either inhibit the feelings of children or they exacerbate the feelings of children. Exactly. And as you said, Ryan, they give them permission to act out those emotions in ways that they shouldn't be acting them out. Yeah. Well, and I think they act out emotions inappropriately. They don't even know that they're acting out. And we had a situation where our child started acting out in a certain way. And I don't even think she knew what she was saying. She just... It's Lucy. <laughs> it's our daughter. She was just saying it because she heard it and watched it. And totally. Totally. Then was trying to act it out on us, and we were just like, "Nah, yeah, this ain't happening in our house." 
Uh, let's, uh, well, it's let's... crazy. Like if they watch, you know, a 30 minute show, I mean, all the emotions that they start to absorb and just cause like it's either dramatic or someone's angry and then someone's jelly, you know, it's like they have started absorbing all those emotions. They're just sitting there on the couch right. as a little kid and they come off and they are, you know, I mean, every parent who knows they've taken away a screen or turned it off from a kid and you watch, it's like this like addict who's like, out to lunch, kind of spacey, really grumpy. They don't know why they're grumpy. It's because they don't even know how they're feeling anymore. Mm -hmm. They got absorbed to this alter reality where they've taken on all these things that weren't theirs to carry. 100%. And I mean, it's the same thing as us. I was sick this past weekend and I started watching. I don't, we don't watch a ton of TV. I'm not saying we, we watch TV, but we don't watch a ton. This yeah. is us is our favorite show. Yeah. Uh. We don't Wait. So I started watching the show, but it was like binge watching what people call yeah, binge watching. Totally. Yeah. It was like episode after episode. I was so not feeling well. It was like read. I couldn't even. So I'm just staring at the screen for just like episode after episode. And I got into like I came off it. And I was like, why do I feel like Ugh. like I felt? Yes. But it's yeah. like characters are like full out evil. Yeah. I mean, it's just like horrible. Yeah. Horrible. And it was it was some Spanish it was a Spanish thing show and it not even the show is that bad but it's like I don't live like this this isn't yeah. my reality and yet I'm like allowing myself to get immersed and absorbed into this other and I'm taking on the stuff that it's not mine to carry yep. and I think we just it's no shame to parents it's just an awareness for parents totally i know people that watch the news all the time you know part of it's their job part of it's just they like it but if you're watching those news panel shows all the time and you find yourself becoming more and more argumentative what are you watching they yell and scream all the time they talk over people all the time they're not listening they're not thinking they're not pondering they're not going hmm it's nuts when i go to my therapist and i'll talk for a while oftentimes he'll do this he'll just go for those just listening, he just holds his chin and he'll look up in the air for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, pondering what I've said because it means he's listening to me. He's listening yeah. to what he's not thinking, oh, here's what I'm going to say next when Ryan's finished talking. Right. He's thinking, very interesting. This is what Ryan is saying. And then he's digesting it. And then he's thinking about it. And then he's thinking about what he's going to say. And then he says it back to me again. It's a very, very different thing. And, you know, the show you're watching, it's not that bad. But when you binge watch it, you know, you watch yep. 12 episodes in a row. All of a sudden, there's this overload of like, oh, my goodness. I just, I yep. got, we watched this yeah. show. We got hooked on it. I'm not even going to say what it is. I got done. I was like, oh, I don't want to watch that anymore. Like, we binged the season. And it was like, if it comes out again, I don't think I'll watch. It was like dark. It's mm -hmm. like. Yeah, that stuff I can't I can't do that mm -hmm. very well. And I mean to go to the point of what am I feeling? I mean, in, in terms of like what you're talking about there, it's empathy. I mean, our oh. you know it, when you talk about emotional intelligence, Laura, the beginning of emotional intelligence is self awareness. It's yeah. our ability to understand what we're feeling and why we're feeling that way. Yeah. When I worked with juvenile delinquents, you know, the very first thing that I would do with them in a counseling session is give them a feelings chart, because the goal was to help them have remorse on their victims. But they can't have remorse if they, they can't understand what another human being is feeling if they can't even recognize what that feeling is within themselves. Of course. Wow. Of course. And so 
The idea that we know what we're feeling and why they were feeling that way is a prerequisite to understanding what another person is feeling and why they're feeling that way, which is why Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, our ability to love our neighbor or to listen to a political opponent, Mm -hmm. to actually sit down and have dialogue, healthy dialogue, where we can sit down and make progress Mm -hmm. is dependent on my ability to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. James 1. I mean, it's my ability to listen. But as you said, those political pundits, and they don't do that because they're constantly thinking about what they're going to say next rather than listening to what the other, and we do that in marriage. Yeah. We do that in our marriages. We, or we do that with our kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so one other, there was a study, I know Ryan, you like the, these studies. There was a, a Google study done a couple of years back, um, about two years ago, where they looked at, uh, it was an Aristotle project where they looked at their, their top employees and they wanted to see if if their hiring process within Google was really working. Mm. And they hired for STEM skills. They hired for hard skills, which makes sense. It's Google. So they're hiring for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And which we as parents, that's what we want to do. You know, we're pushing our kids towards good grades. We're pushing them to, you know, to do these things. But after they studied the top most productive teams within Google, they found that the STEM skills were coming in dead last. What was coming in at the top of the most productive teams within Google, number one was emotional safety, number two was emotional intelligence, and number three was empathy. I read this. I know what you're talking about. It was so fascinating. Yeah. Well, it seems counterintuitive, and yet once you start digging down into it, the teams with the highest success were vulnerable with each other. They weren't getting beat up by each other. They weren't uber competitive. They weren't cutthroat. They weren't stabbing each other in the back. They were emotionally safe. They felt safe amongst their peers and their coworkers, and therefore they were more apt to work together towards common goals and common good because they weren't trying to step on each other to get to the next Mm -hmm. level. They were all working with each other towards that. And it wasn't just the highest ones in STEM. It was, oh, these people trust each other. They're vulnerable with each other. And therefore, their ability in STEM skills is being put to the forefront. Yeah. Well, and Josh, I think it goes back to what you just said about what Jesus said, getting back to the core belief systems. And out of our core belief systems comes our emotions. And then out of our emotions, we act. And I just think that that's like if we don't get down to the core of what we're believing, we're never going to know what we're feeling. Just mm. like you working with those juvenile delinquents. Like I bet I, I know many and I used to work with juvenile delinquents and I loved it. And most of the time they're then first... she married one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, sh- 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 it was anger. You know, anger was the but getting down past that and going down to their core beliefs. What is that? What yeah. is motivating their belief systems and, you know, love one another. And I, I just, I love that way you said it just struck a chord. And getting past me. the anger to why, why are you angry? Or is anger just easier than sadness? You know, for me, that's what I had to work on in therapy. Anger was easier than sadness. I just get mad all the time. And then when my anger would kick in, it would give me a shot of adrenaline. The shot of adrenaline would let me work harder and try to overcome it. And then my body started learning, oh, hey, if you're not getting enough adrenaline, just get mad. You'll get some more adrenaline. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not healthy. No one likes you when you're that way. No one likes <laughs> it when you're fueled on adrenaline and anger. You got to learn how to deal with all those things. Yeah. Which is why you have four punching bags in your house, yes, which I is amazing. Do. Hence, I love it. Hence, hence, <laughs> Yeah. Stay healthy. Seriously, that's the struggle is real. I love what you're talking about. Parents are like, oh, but if my kid starts punching this thing, they're going to punch somebody else. No, they're not. 
they're getting it out and it's in a healthy way yes. and it's here's the truth too what you're not doing is teaching them to hit it's not like you put a punching bag in the house and you're just like all right when you're angry go hit it's you've talked to your child about hey you've got this thing in you you need a physical release we're either going to go on a hike we're going to run we're going to jump on the trampoline we're going to jump rope or we can hit a punching bag or a pillow or the ottoman or something along those lines we need a physical release for this thing that's inside of us therefore as you get older and you know yourself better and better understand when situations arise you need a physical release from certain things whether it's sadness or grief or anger or rage and that physical release can come in lots of ways and one of them could be a punching bag and it's also not okay to hit somebody when you're enraged and you're angry come hit the punching bag instead and then when you're done and you're exhausted think about your emotions think about your feelings learn how to process it in a higher way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, you know, even as it relates to, I mean, brain growth, I mean, the idea that God has given us this fight fight or flight or freeze um, in, those, in the case of those who've been traumatized, that fight or flight, when we're anxious or overwhelmed, that fight or flight is going off right away and we're either fleeing a situation or we're fighting in that situation for our lives because it's God's way of saying, hey, there's a threat in your life mm-hmm. and, and you need to do something with that. Well, it's not until that part of the brain is calmed down. Neuroscience research shows it's not until that part of the brain is calmed down that we can actually think straight. It triggers the higher functioning parts oh. of the brain, known for emotion regulation, cognitive flexibility, problem solving, being able to solve a problem in a healthy way according to the truth and the foundation of which we, the beliefs that we live, and then ultimately self-control. Mm. So you have to get those things out in order to get the higher functioning part of the brain to think straight. I, the way that I describe this, and this is very biblical too. I mean, Paul in Philippians 4, I believe was the first neuroscientist. He says, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, make your requests be made known to God, uh, in everything with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, talk to God, make your request and it, with thanksgiving saying, thank you. Thank you that, that, that you are going to come through for me. Thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that, that, that you have my best interest. And even if I get a no in answer to my prayer, it's because you're looking out for yeah. me, but here's my requests. I'm going to voice them to you and his peace will calm your brain in such a way that it's not until that next verse that he writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is pure, anything true, mm. no praiseworthy, what? Think, think on, on these things. things. He didn't write that first and then write, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> he, I think yeah. there was a reason he wrote, be anxious for nothing, have your brain calm down, and then think on these things. Because, Laura, as you know, I mean, if Ryan comes home and he's angry and he hasn't punched his punching bag yet, and you're overwhelmed with the kids and he's being passive aggressive towards you, and you're starting to get anxious over all these things going on through the day, you're not thinking of anything excellent and noble and praiseworthy and pure and holy, right? Right, for sure. So in a finite way, the way I describe this is in a finite way, we as parents are a piece that when we can sit with our kids and get them to make their requests and talk about their feelings to us, you know, really what am I feeling? In a finite way, we can help calm our kids' brains to get them to think straight. Oh my goodness. And I think that's what Paul was alluding to, too, in Ephesians 6, where he says, fathers, do not exasperate your kids or provoke your kids to anger, 
but raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word nurture is placing the mind in a proper place. That's what it means, is to place the mind in a proper place as to think about the right ways of God, as to the ways... Eugene Peterson wrote it in the message, fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger, but take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. I think that's such a beautiful illustration of what we see as parents to help calm our kids' brains. And even as as a spouse, for me to help calm Christy's brain when she's overwhelmed, to be her safe place to calm her brain so that she can start thinking straight. Because it makes the house a whole lot better um, when she's thinking straight. And so. It's true. Um, it's true. But anyway, it's true. Just that that biblical component to all of these feelings. This isn't that we're you know just allowing our feelings. Of, no, this is calming our brain to problem solve and think straight and make the right decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that verse is so much deeper than I think we give it credit for at times. You know, we say you know don't be anxious about anything, but everything give thanks. And you stop there, and it's like, wait a minute, that verse goes on, and it's deeper when it goes yeah. on. You've just surfaced a deep scripture. You've just made it this little shallow thing. It says, make your request known to the Lord. Let him know how you're feeling. You know, if you go through the Psalms, I remember I had a friend that was shot when I was in college, and I was in a in an interim winter class because my school had a long winter break and I was taking this intensive class and I would leave class, drive to the hospital, stay until closing, drive back, try to get a little sleep, go to class. And I started falling asleep in class and I woke up one day, the whole class is gone except me. And it was like, oh great, you know, now what do I do? And I was so sad and I was so down and I was afraid and I felt like I had been lied to in a way. Like, he grew up in a Christian family. We both went to church together. I did too. He got shot. How does this make sense? And I had a professor say, have you read the Psalms? And I was like, what? Like, why am I reading praise things in this time? And he was like, what? No. Take a highlighter and highlight tears, weeping, crying, sadness, moaning. And I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, wait, two-thirds of the Psalms is all depression and terrible, you know, David crying out to the Lord saying, hey, my enemies have surrounded me. They're laughing at me. They're laughing at you. Where are you? I don't feel you next to me. And at the end of all of those, it's like, and I know the Lord is good. And I learned so much from that to say to the Lord, hey, I know you're with me. I know your arms are wrapped around me. I just don't feel you right now. And I'm sad and I'm overwhelmed and I'm angry and all those things. The Lord is bigger than all my problems. He's not going, oh no, Ryan's angry with me. What am I going to do? What will we ever do? Ryan's so mad. Like it's, <laughs> but making my request known to the Lord and thanking him for loving me to fall back on to, that's one of the big things that we've learned with our feelings to fall back on. What do I know to be true? Yep. So often feelings are about what if, well, what if this happens? And what if this, happens? what if this doesn't happen? And what if that doesn't happen? And you know, I got a, a request for a speaking gig and it's for far less than I normally charge. And I just wrote back and I was like, you know, I'd love to do it. And this is my fee. And there's so much of me. It's like, Oh no, but you need that speaking event. And what if you don't get it? And what, who knows? What do I know to be true? I know the Lord loves me. I know he's looking out for me. He's got my best interest in mind. My wife loves me. My kids love me. Go back on what I know to be true, not the what ifs. And oftentimes my feelings start to calm down from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All those scenarios. Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, exact same things. Like, But, you know, it's so funny. There's another study. Um, I'm a geek when it comes to studies. Good. I love to see what the research yeah. is showing and, 
and then ultimately showing how it's proving the Bible to be true, but yep. how we relate to one another. But it was a guy named Robert Epstein, and he did a meta-analysis on the top 10 parenting strategies to get the outcomes we're looking for in our kids. And so a meta-analysis is like where you take all kinds of different studies and you pull them together to see you know, what, what really were the top 10. And they asked the parenting experts, and the parenting experts got it wrong too as, as it related to the top 10. But what was fascinating about it was that the second greatest parenting strategy to get the outcomes we're looking for in our kids, according to this study, this meta-analysis, was a parent's ability to manage his or her own stress. Yep. Second greatest parenting strategy. And for those of you listening, you're like, well, what were the other ones? I'll, let me give you the top three. Top, <laughs> the third greatest one was how you treat your spouse or how you treat a co-parent in a divorce situation. Oh, nice. And number one was love and affection. Yep. Now, I would argue love and affection requires us to experience love in order to love. Yeah. You know, yeah. the Bible says love because he first loved us. Our ability to know ourselves, know our emotions. As we've talked about this whole episode, you know, our ability to be empathetic, our ability to enter into the world of another requires us to know ourselves yeah. and to experience and feel love first. And so I would argue that the top three parenting strategies to get the outcomes we're looking for in our kids have nothing to do with a direct relationship with our children. They have everything to do with who we're becoming as adults. That's right. That's our yes. whole rebel parenting philosophy. Yep. We talk about it all the time. You want your kids to be good with money? Work on your finances. You want your kids to have good relationships? Work on your relationships. Mm-hmm. You want your kids to be good communicators? Work on your communication. And now you're saying that the studies actually prove that to be true. If you want your kids Perfect. to be emotionally healthy, go to counseling Work on your emotions. Work yes. on your ability to handle stress. Here's the truth. It's not throwing myself under the bus. It's I went through a season where I just couldn't handle stress for a while, and I was getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Laura can attest to this. I was sad. I was overwhelmed, and I needed to be back in counseling, and I finally did. I got a good therapist, and I've gotten to counseling on a regular basis, and you can see... I'm going to totally toot my own horn. You can see the transformation between me and my kids. Well, and us. And us. Mm-hmm. I was at a birthday party with seven 12-year-olds and their dads, <laughs> an overnighter. And all the dads and us were sitting in this one area talking. And my son came through and he wanted to get cheesecake and I wouldn't let him. And on the way out, he was like, love you. And I was like, love you. And he left. And all the dads looked at me. They were like, what? And I'm like, yeah. My kid expresses his love to me in public because that's just how we are all the time. Like, it sounds like I'm being prideful. I have blown it a billion times. But it's that thing where I've worked on it so hardcore for the last six months. I've worked on how I handle stress, how I handle anger, on how I treat the children, how I speak to them, how I speak to Laura, how I am in the house to calm my anger down. And it's showing dividends left and right. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, like, I think we talked with you guys when you were on our podcast. Yeah. Is that how this went? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're on yours now. You are on ours. But we talked about just our own growth and our, just our own emotional mm-hmm. journeys and how we have done, taken really intentional time to work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is amazing to me, even how it's changed, like, the atmosphere of our home. Yeah. Like just this morning, I mean, we had we one home sick, which, you know, you know how that is. Like you wake up on a day and it's like you think you're going to, you know, a routine. Okay. You got this. I got this. I got this. We got this. We, you know, we're heading out of town tomorrow. So we're packing. We're doing, you know, it's like all the tasks, all the things that we think we have to do as 
you know, goal oriented, fairly, you know, productive people who are wanting to do it well and whatever. Well, that increases the stress of a family. I mean, you feel it all. Then we have a kid who wakes up and is like, I don't feel good and starts throwing up over the bathroom floor. Mm. Okay. So now it's like, okay, scrambling. We have to read, think through all the plans. And I had to go to an appointment this morning. I came back. And as I was driving in the car, I just realized that I felt it. Like I felt the anxiety starting yep. to fill up me. And I'm like, okay, I got to get, you know, this, this, this. And we got to, how, how am I going to do this? And I just turned on worship music, which is, I'm not saying that's something I would have typically done before, but it was like, I realized this is not about me. This is so much bigger than me. I don't need to, I've just gotten to a place where I realized my anxiety level is going to be higher than the situation requires because that's who I am. I kind of hit it head on and I, I seem to almost exaggerate. It's like, the exaggeration thing. Like it feels like 50 things yeah. Yeah. when really I only need to, I'm like carrying five and three of them are God. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I just worshiped on the way home and I got home and I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit on the couch with a cup of coffee with my sick babies. And we're going to, we just sat and we looked out the window and we watched the birds at the bird feeder. Mm. And that's what I did. We got on this podcast and I just sat there. Josh's just like, are you going to come? Like, are you? And I'm, and I'm in my do. I'm Martha. Are, are and I'm like, like, come on. Come on. Come on. It's That's time right. To go. Yeah. You're like, no, no, no. I'm going to be better on the screen. podcast for watching the birds, not running around with the head cut off. Yes. Right? Yes. But, but like the tone of our home. It's very was, true. It was just completely different, different this morning. hundred yeah. percent. It was like the kids are just cuddled up next to me. Like, I mean, how many times have I missed that? How many times have I just been in the kitchen and I'm like my to-do list and I got my phone and I'm responding to things and I'm like, Josh, we're like scheduling things. I mean, we get there, we do that too. And yet I was like, if I can learn to live at this place of peace, of joy, I mean, talk about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. If I can live at this place for me, Mm. my kids are learning. They didn't ask me to turn on the TV. We literally sat on the couch that's and cuddled beautiful. and watched the kids out the window. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's beautiful. For a moment, I'm not going to forget. I'm glad he was sick today. Right. That was, <laughs> that was a teaching moment for me, but I think it also instilled something in our home that wasn't there before. And I know it is because I have chosen to do the work of working on me. Because if I hadn't done that, you would have missed it. I just run. Yeah. I, I would have missed yep. it. I. And let me say this too. I mean, I, I'm, I've done my work. I did my work. I mean, we were doing our work. We both went to therapeutic intensives, a place called onsite workshops. And, you know, we're still living this out. I mean, it's not like, I mean, today was one of those beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. And it was, I walked out there and I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. They're watching the birds and they're talking about them. And it was just the worship music was gone. But there's moments where we still don't get it right. It's not like we're doing this work, but we're going back to that. We're going back to, and we have people that we talk to on a regular basis where, because this is, we're humans. We don't just arrive. Yeah. This is a journey. And I think, you know, that's even just with what am I feeling? The idea that we teach our kids that this is a journey, that, we're, that our feelings are going to ebb and flow all the time. And we're going to come in and out of those. But to have a language and permission to be able to talk about those things mm-hmm. is so important. As you said, today's generation, Ryan, like, being able to champion that in our homes is so critically important. Definitely. And something I want to say to all the listeners before we close is, 
yeah, do we blow it? Of course. And celebrate when we get it right. Mm-hmm. Do that more than point out when we get it wrong. Celebrate Amen. the watching yep. the birds and the sitting with a cup of coffee yeah. more than the other times where we've got our to-do list in the kitchen and we're totally frazzled and stressed out. Mm-hmm. Because the more you celebrate the wins, the more you'll do them. Yeah. You know, you keep yeah. doing what you focus on. Focus on the wins as a parent. If you're trying, awesome. We're there with you. We praise you for trying. If you're listening to the podcast, way to go. Yeah. You're trying to be a better parent. That's what we're looking for in those people. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, is just having the grace on for all of ourselves is just we're starting to just become aware. And some of the things you become aware of in yourself, you're probably not going to like. <laughs> you're not going to be very proud of. And that's okay. Yeah. But you that awareness, we're just starting to catch it maybe a little bit quicker than we used to. So when I used to like get angry and it would be a whole day of just anger and I'm angry at the kids and angry at him and you know, I'd let it last a whole day. What if now it's like 15 minutes and I'm really angry and then it's like, guys, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I did it again. I'm sorry, but I caught myself. Mm -hmm. It only lasted 15 minutes and I I spared you the rest of the hours of the day totally yeah (laughs) totally I think think that's the grace like we just that's a grace we need to give ourselves it's a grace we need to give our spouse our kids we are works in progress and whatever you can offer today that little bit of bettering you is just enough Mm -hmm. for today and that's you just said better something great, them. Christy. That's mm-hmm. right. When your spouse does it right, when they only are angry for 15 minutes and not a whole day, praise them for only being angry for 15 minutes. Praise Don't the beat Lord. them down because they were angry <laughs> at all, right? Like, we keep pushing right. for perfection. Like, well, why were you angry for 15 minutes? It's like, no, 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 awesome. You were only angry for 15. Usually it would go all day. What a great job. You controlled your emotions. You reined them in. Awesome. Way to go. That makes people want to do it again. Yep. Hundred percent, and it's those pro relationship thoughts. It's the research shows that it's when you have an us against the world attitude. Mm-hmm. Not like we're taking them out, but the idea that we're a team, and that it's an us against the anxiety. It's us against the frustration. It's us against everything. All of these things. The fact that you sat there this morning and that you did that. Way to go! Like seriously, like. The Thanks, more pro, because our, our natural tendency is to have negative relationship thoughts, not pro relationship thoughts, mm. but the other way to, yep. and we're trying to justify, well, you haven't been pulling your weight around here, or there you go again, getting mad at the kids, or like that's our natural tendency. Yeah. yeah. And so, exactly as you said, to flip that, man. Yeah. Or how can you be sitting there on the couch with the kids when we have so many things to do? Yes. You know, that is not a pro relationship. Awesome. Josh and Christy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for the book, What Am I Feeling? Thanks for helping Mm -hmm. us deal with our own feelings and helping our kids deal with them too. We appreciate it so much. We thank you guys. Love you guys. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Our big thanks to Dr. Joshua and Christy Straub for being on the show today. Thank you for helping us talk to our kids about their feelings, about digging in there, figuring out what they're feeling that doesn't have to rule our lives, that we can understand those things. Man, I am such a fan of them. You can find their book, What Am I Feeling, on Amazon and wherever Christian books are sold. Also, big thanks to our sponsor, The Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com. The Voice of the Martyrs have been helping those being persecuted for the gospel all over the world for more than 50 years. What a fantastic organization. God bless Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and 
When you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.